Amen. Great singing. You guys are awesome, awesome singers. Amen. I love to hear people sing, and every time I watch you walk into our church here as you're coming in, I am so, so incredibly grateful to have you with us, because I know there's a thousand other places you could be, there's a thousand other things you could be doing, and uh, I just want to let you know we do not take it for granted uh, that you are here. Well, in your Bibles, if you have your Bible with you, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 4, um, but while you're, or if you don't have a Bible, we're going to show it up here on the screen in just a, a, a couple minutes. Um, while you're finding that, first of all, I, I know they've hammered for weeks and weeks this whole life fest situation, okay? This life fest is a big deal. Let, let me tell you something. Um, well, first of all, I, I didn't hear them make the announcements, but in case they didn't, we have tons of volunteers and we are so grateful but we need more especially set up tear down all of that it please do not wait till the day before to volunteer we need to know now so let them know at the welcome center okay but there's a specific charge that I want to give as the pastor regarding life fest and that is this when you are there whether just participating or whether you are helping serve or work life fest Here's the charge. Expect and share stories. Expect and share stories. What do I mean by that? First of all, I know this is an event that there's not evangelistic preaching. There's not altar calls. We're not handing out tracts about turn or burn or any of that kind of stuff. It's literally just an event from our church, not from me as a pastor, not from our pastoral team, from you, okay, because we need all hands on deck, right? It's an event from our church that's just a way for us to say we truly, truly love our community. We, we don't want to just be in our little holy huddle over here at 665 Barcourt Road, right? You know what they say about Christians, right? Christians are like manure, okay? I probably should explain that. Christians are like manure. If you pile them all up in their little holy huddle at 665 Harcourt Road, they stink. But if you spread manure out, what's it do? It fertilizes. It brings life. It brings hope. And that's part of the spirit of this event is to just get into our community and go, we truly are a community church and we love our community. And as we're there... You're, you're going to hear stories, maybe just little brief snippets of stories, maybe big in-depth stories of how people in the community appreciate that event, or maybe you'll pray with somebody, or maybe you'll connect with a community person and they tell you about the struggles they're going, that's going on in their life and you have a moment to pray with them or whatever. At, expect those stories, right? Pray for those stories to happen, but then share them. Share them with us. We want to know the stories next Sunday. Um, text us, email us, call the office, whatever. No matter how big, no matter how small, we want to hear stories from the event to be able to celebrate that, all right? All right, yes. Um, also, 
what is happening tonight at 7 o'clock at Round Hill Dairy? Ice cream. Listen, we have a lot of college-age folks at our church. Not just this service, but I was thoroughly impressed with how many were really spiritual and came to the early service. It was, it was amazing. I was like, wow. Listen, if you are college-age, and what that means is you don't have to be in college. You can be in college, or you might be at Mount Vernon Nazarene University, or I want you to let your friends know maybe new life attendance is not required. Maybe you have friends from COTC or Kenyon College. Uh, but college age, if you show up at Round Hill Dairy tonight, uh, I am going to buy your ice cream. And we are just going to have a good time together hanging out. No agenda, no program, just ice cream and hanging out with Troy. I... I did invite a few other cool people that are actually fun uh, to hang out and help, help college-age folks and stuff. So tell your friends about it. Seriously, 7 o'clock tonight. Hope you're there. Well, as, as you may know, if you were here last Sunday, we're in the midst of a series of talking about God's will. What's God's will for my life? How do I know God's will? Because this, this is a question we all ask right? I, all of us have asked this question. Um, and, and if you missed last Sunday, today's going to make sense. You know, it's a standalone. It's not, you know, you're not going to be, I'm going to review some of last Sunday. Um, but I, I would encourage you, I just finished up a book by Craig Rochelle, which is, uh, it's called Divine Direction. If you want to dive deeper into this topic, that's a great book, Divine Direction by Craig Rochelle. And it's a pretty easy read or for me. I listen. I don't read. I listen on my phone as I'm riding a bike or whatever. But how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know, does God want me to go to college? If so, where does God want me to go to college? Which we've already prayed about that, and it's Mount Vernon Nazarene University, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> should, should, should I date this person? Um, does God want me to marry this person? Um, should I have another kid? Should we get a snip-snip? Should, should I buy a house? Should I rent? Um, should we get rid of, should I get rid of Old Faithful? And I'm talking about your vehicle. Should I get rid of Old Faithful, my car, and, and get a new one? Or should I hold on to Old Faithful uh, should I take this job? Does, does God want me to retire now or does God want me to keep working? And if I am already retired, what does God want me to do in the midst of my retirement? Um, and all of these are decisions that we make regarding God's will. Decisions, decisions. Our, our decisions are so incredibly important. You've heard it before. The decisions that we make today determine the story that we tell tomorrow. The decisions that we made yesterday are determining who we are today. The decisions that we make are important. And then to add to the pressure of decision-making, decision-making, we talked about this last Sunday, decision-making is harder these days than I think it has ever, ever been in human history. Why? Why is decision-making harder today? Because there's just so many more options. When I grew up, I grew up down in the south end of Columbus, Hamilton Township, Scioto Downs, horse racing track area. Anybody know where that is? Yes, yes, we have some rednecks among us, I see. I, I grew up there. I, I love that area. 
but when I grew up in that uh, part of Columbus, uh, we had three options on TV, channels 4, 6, or 10. And then there was this kind of random option, channel 34, which was the public station that showed the little Muppets thing. Sesame Street, if you, if you were at that age and wanted to watch Sesame Street, that's the channel. You know, th but today, we have television, and we literally have thousands of channels, it seems like. On top of Hulu and Prime and Netflix and all this stuff. And what's so intriguing to me is that I can still find nothing to watch. <laughs> it's difficult to make a decision these days because of so many options. You know, back in the day there were limited decisions that one had to make. But, but today, today's generation, they can travel to parts of the world we could never travel to. They can see things that we could never were able to see. You know, uh, back in my day, you know, hey, when we did actually go out to eat, because that was kind of a special thing, going out to eat. It wasn't like every meal like it feels like in our culture today. But uh, am I going to do McDonald's or Wendy's? You know, and today I can pull this phone out of my pocket, and if I have someone that's under 30, they can help me order anything I want in the world and have it delivered to my porch, right? Uh, options, option overload. And then to add to the mix of option overload, making our decisions and choices hard, um, we have what you might refer to as the illusion of perfection. Um, what do I mean by that? You've heard this. We, we get a first-hand glimpse into the lives of other people through, through social media. And the problem is, is that we are comparing their highlight reels that they've cut and edited and spliced and they put the right hashtag with it and they put the right filter with it and we're looking at that and their lives look so perfect while we, while we are living out the unedited real life behind the scenes reels of our life, right? There's this illusion of perfection when, when when Susie takes a picture of the brownies that's sitting on her kitchen cabinet that, that she just made, I'm not looking at the brownies. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at her cabinets. I'm looking at her child standing there that just seems like they got out of a beauty pageant. I'm looking at the really expensive fridge that has one of those TV things like on the front where you can make notes and stuff. I'm like, I don't have any of that. And her life looks so perfect. You know, they're on the perfect date. They're on the perfect vacation. They have the perfect house. And, and yet we compare that with our unedited real life story. And so there's this illusion of perfection. And, so, and because of this illusion of perfection, to take it even another step, is that we are often afraid of making imperfect decisions, wrong decisions. Um, I, I looked this up, healthline.com says this, fear of making the wrong decision is one of the reasons that many people hesitate when faced with a choice. You may be afraid of failure or even the consequences of success, that's interesting. It goes on to say, you may worry about what other people will think about you, perfectionism may be getting in your way. See, it's fine, it's fine to want to make a right decision 
The problem is that when we let the fear of making a wrong decision paralyze us into becoming indecisive, and a lot of this comes about from this culture of per perceived perfection. And so what happens too often is that we end up making no decision at all, which in turn can be worse than making the wrong decision if you're making no decision at all. So we're talking about decision-making this morning as we try to discern God's will. How can I know God's will? How can we know what God, God wants for my life? Now, let me say this, a word of assurance here. If you are truly a devoted follower of Jesus, I mean, if you are truly, truly a Christian, you will always, always, always know exactly what God wants you to do every minute of the day, every hour of the day, every day of the week, you will know exactly what God wants you to do. You will have no doubt in your mind. You will be 100% certain all the time of what God wants you to do every minute of every hour. And on top of that, if you're a truly devoted Christian, there will never be any obstacles in your way to God's will. You'll never face any challenges to God's will. And obviously everything I said just now is totally untrue, right? In fact, check out the Apostle Paul. If anybody is going to understand God's will, I think it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, the guy wrote a large portion of the New Testament. The guy was one of the key New Testament church leaders. Um, it's because of the Apostle Paul that Gentiles are here today having church, that ministry. Um, if anybody knows what's coming, if anybody knows what God's will is, I mean, it's got to be this guy. But watch how detailed Paul's understanding is uh, of the future, of God's will. In 1 Corinthians, and we'll get to our key passage here in just a minute. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 6, 7, and 8. This is the Apostle Paul talking to some folks. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. So, so the Apostle Paul, this guy who should know what God's will is, he says things like, perhaps, you know, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure what God wants me to do here. He says, wherever I go, in other words, God may want me to go here, God may want me to go there, God may want me to go over there. I, I don't know at this moment. He says, I hope, in other words, yeah, I want to do this, but I'm not sure if this is what God wants me to do. He says, if the Lord permits, in other words, I'm not sure what God's wanting me to do in this moment, right? Even though Paul was Paul, which if you don't know anything about Paul, he was a big deal in the church, right? He didn't understand all the details. So if you're sitting here this morning and you feel a little like the Apostle Paul, take comfort in knowing that God doesn't always show us every step of the future for the next 10 miles out, for the next 10 years out. Proverbs 16.9 says this, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their what? How do we know God's will? 
step by step by step is how we know God's will. Last week, uh, to give you a little bit more background here, last week we talked about the who before the do. We get caught up in what God wants us to do, right? When, when God's more concerned about the who, your call to holiness, your call to be like Jesus, right? We also talked about the why before the what. If, uh, you know, when you're living with the right why, it's going to lead you to the right what. Today we're going to focus on the idea that when you want to know God's will, he, he's not always going to show you his will for weeks and months and years and steps and miles out, but he's going to give you wisdom. Wisdom. I, I want to talk to you about wisdom this morning. In fact, some of you have heard of Solomon in the Old Testament. Maybe some of you don't have a clue who he is. Solomon. He became king. And when he became king, he was to sacrifice, to make a sacrifice of a bull to the Lord God. Solomon, being the type of guy he was, wanting to worship God in extravagance, doesn't make one sacrifice of one bull. He literally sacrifices a thousand burnt offerings. I mean, this is such an extravagant act of worship um, for Solomon to do. And so in a dream, because of this, God speaks. Are you guys doing okay? Am I yelling? Okay, I don't mean to be yelling. All right. So in a dream, because of this, um, God speaks to Solomon. He says, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want. Whatever you want. You know, and, and Solomon could have prayed for power. Solomon could have prayed for wealth. Solomon could have prayed that, that God would nuke all of his enemies so that he doesn't have any enemies. That's not what Solomon prays. Solomon's prayer is simply this, God help me be a good king. Give me the wisdom to know right from wrong. Give me the wisdom to make decisions that would honor you. That's Solomon's prayer to God's blank check. And you know what God says? He says, Solomon, because you didn't ask for all these other things you could have asked for, he says, yes, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all of these other things you didn't ask for. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Get wisdom and develop good judgment. For those of you who have lived long enough, at least one time in your life, you've made this statement. I wish I would have known then what I know now. What is that? You have gained wisdom over the years. Here's something else Solomon said in Proverbs 16. How much better to get wisdom than what? I, I feel like you got, are you falling asleep? Am I being boring? Read this with me. Chapter, or verse 16, read it. Here we go. One, two, three. How much better to get wisdom than gold 
to get inside. Listen, God's not necessarily going to take you miles down the road as to what is will is for your life but I can promise you this God is going to give you wisdom if you ask for it now let me spend the remainder of my time talking about a, a few simple thoughts here they're going to be so simple so elementary that it, it's going to probably be insulting to your intelligence but these simple steps will help us in our decision making and the first thing has to do with with our walk. Proverbs 13:20 says this. Read it with me out loud. Here we go. One, two, three. Walk with all together now. <laughs> when I do this, here we go. One, two, three. Walk with the wise and the question is, who are you walking with? Right? I grew up in the south in the Columbus. If you are riding in a pickup truck with your two buddies and one says, hey, hold this beer, watch me, you're probably not walking with the right crowd, right? When you run with the wrong people, wrong things tend to happen. You've heard it from your teacher. You've heard it from your parent. If you're a parent or a teacher, you've said this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your your future. Friends are important. They give us a feeling of belonging. They bring fun and laughter. They lend an extra hand. They offer emotional support. They, they give guidance when you need guidance. And whether you realize it or not, their influence goes well beyond that moment. Your close friendships help to shape the very course of your life. It's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. If you are running, and I'm not just talking to high school, junior high and high school students here. I'm talking to us moms and dads and grandparents. Walk with folks who are making good choices and will be a lot more likely to make good choices. Walk with folks who are making dumb choices and you'll be a lot more likely to what? Make dumb choices. Friends are critical. By the way, do you know the difference between a friend and a really good friend? When you're about to do something stupid, your friend will throw up their hands in warning going, don't, you're going to hurt yourself, you're going you, to break a leg, you're going to... You know what a really good friend does in that moment? They take out their phone and they're ready to video. That... <laughs> That's a really good friend. And, and let me say this. Walking with the wise means that we do life together. Um, we do life together. It's, it's not just about going to someone occasionally for some random guidance or advice when you're in the midst of a question or whatever. It's walking in life together. That I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a new life commercial here. I'm just telling you right up front. This is a great place to talk about life groups. Man, you know, we need to walk through life together. And one of the best ways to do that is by being in life groups with each other. All right? We need the wisdom and the fellowship 
of others because being in church once or twice a month, which is probably the average at this point for most churchgoers or for many churchgoers, that's not enough to resist the pull of this world on us. This is one of the reasons that we're so passionate about kid life. This is one of the reasons we're so passionate about teen life. Parents, if your kids are not involved with these programs, they're missing a phenomenal opportunity to walk with other kids who are at least attempting to make right choices and, and, and other adults speaking into their lives, making good choices. Listen, I get it. I get it. There, there's, there's travel sports. There's camping. There's the Knox County Fair. Uh, there's family coming in. There's work to do around the house. I get it. All of this is important stuff. All of this is a normal part of life. I get it. But at the end of the day, you can't expect your children to learn how to grow up and be wise, to learn to become fully devoted followers of Christ by only having them in church once or twice a month if there's nothing else to do. As a rule of thumb, I'm talking to parents right now, your kids are going to be less committed to church and all that it represents than you are. So think about that. Where does that put your kids? For all practical purposes, any one of our families, including mine, is just one generation away from being an unchurched family. If you want to make better decisions, run around with better people. If you want God's direction, hang out with God's people. Yes, 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 we need to minister to those who are far from God, but we need to walk with those who are in love with Jesus. All right, so who are you walking with? The second thing that will help you in your decision making is what, what are you going to ask for? What are you going to ask for? If you want wisdom, you need to ask God for it. God's word promises us that when you ask for wisdom, God will give you wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives what? Generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In short, ask God for wisdom. He will give you wisdom. I, I have three Young adult children right now, uh, if, if you don't know him, Caleb, who was leading worship this morning, is one of them. He's, he's my youngest. Um, when your kids are really young, they think that you are the wisest, strongest, best-looking individual in the world. When they're really young. I mean, really young. When your kids get a little bit older, you know nothing. When they get a little bit older than that, suddenly, okay, we're going to give dad, we're going to give mom a little credit. They, they know some stuff, okay. When they get a little bit older than that, they come back and they apologize and they turn into you. And, and they have no idea how it happened. I thoroughly, my favoritist commercial, if favoritist is a word, is the commercial where the guy is coaching the adults how not to become their parents. <laughs> and he says things to these 
people who are trying not to become their parents. He says, the waitress doesn't need to know your name. That's me. The waitress is going to know my name, and I'm going to know her or his life story before it's over. And they're going, don't need to know your name. I love it when he says, no one cares what time you woke up this morning, right? So Chris and I are currently in this awkward stage of our kids being young adults, and we're trying to figure out this awkward balance of when to give them guidance and when to let them kind of experience life on their own. It, it's a struggle to find this healthy balance. But I want to tell you something. The second one of my kids asks for my advice or my wisdom or my guidance, I am going to pour it all out. They're going to get it. I'm going to give my wisdom generously. And, and, and it, this is what the Bible is saying about God, our Heavenly Father, is that all you got to do is ask. And he doesn't give snippets of it. He doesn't give you teasers of it. He gives generously of his wisdom. I, I, think, I think back to the time when some folks were interested in, in me becoming the pastor of this church. I wasn't looking to be a pastor. This is a long story. I thought for sure I'd end up in one of two places as a career, either in educate, the educational field, which aren't you glad for those students that I'm pastoring? Um, or I thought I would end up in the corporate world. Uh, now, some of you know this story, but when I first heard about the possibility that people were in, I mean, again, totally not on my radar. I'll never forget, I was sitting at, I think it was Damon's Restaurant, downtown Columbus, with the multicultural director uh, of Mount Vernon Nazarene University. I get this call, and they say, hey, this is kind of off the record, but some folks are talking about you your name being a hat, the pastor of this church, wants to give you time, pray about it, whatever. I had no idea what to do. My head was spinning. This was not the plan. I needed wisdom. Fortunately, I had been walking with some really wise people. And I'll never forget the counsel that I received from one of those wise people when I said, they're talking about me pastoring this church, and I, I'm not even, I'm not equipped, I'm not, I, this is crazy. And the wise counsel I got from one of my very wise friends said this. Just stay out of it, Troy. Just stay out of it. What was he saying? He was saying, trust the process. Trust that if this is God's will for your life, it will happen. I mean, that was a great piece of guidance. That was a great piece of wisdom which I would not have gotten if I wouldn't have surrounded myself with very wise people. And it's the same with God. He loves to pour out wisdom. All right? How, how do we get wisdom from God? This is a whole other sermon in and of itself. You, you, get, you get wisdom from his word. The Bible is just black and white, right? Um, you get wisdom in life groups. By the way, if you're sitting there going, man, I'd love to be a part of a life group. Man, Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to someone at the Welcome Center. We love to get people connected to life groups, right? But we get it through life groups. Our kids get wisdom through kids' life and teen life and college life. You get wisdom by hearing and obeying the Holy Spirit in your life. Psalms 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. 
you see, I, I tend to want God to tell me exactly what to do. God, tell me what to do and I'll do it. See, I don't have a spirit issue. I, I have an issue of knowing what God wants me to do. God, just tell me what to do, I'll do it. God doesn't always tell us what to do. God gives us wisdom. I, it makes me think of the scene of the parent in the swimming pool. And here you are standing as a parent in the middle of the swimming pool and you got little Johnny up on the side of the swimming pool and you're trying to help little Johnny not be afraid of, of the water and so you have your arms out and you're going, Johnny, jump, you can do this, I've got you, I'm right here in the middle of it, just jump, just jump, you can do this. And Johnny's scared to death but you're doing your best to reassure him. And this is where some of you are in life right now. You, you're you may be scared to death about a decision that you have to make. You may be scared to death about trying to discern what God's will is. But I can assure you, based on God's word itself, he is standing in the middle of whatever that is, and his arms are held out far, and he's going, jump, I've got you, trust me, I've already been in your tomorrow, I know us there, just trust me, and he will give you wisdom if you ask for it. He says, I'll watch over you. So, to help us get wisdom for our decision-making, consider who you're walking with. Um, we need to ask for wisdom. Here's one more. I'm just going to mention it because the praise team is coming up to play shut-up music for me, apparently. <laughs> um, here's the last thing. We need to decide. Don't be so afraid that you're not going to make any decision at all. That's the biggest mistake sometimes we can make is walking down the middle of the road. And you know what they say, the only thing in the middle of the road are yellow lines and dead skunks. Troy, how do I know this is an open door? How do I know if this is what God wants me to do? Or is it the four-day-old pizza I ate last night and the pepperonis kicking in? How do I know if this is what God wants I mean, obviously, a filter through which to discern God's will is his word. And the Bible is very clear on certain things. Do this, don't do this. And when the Bible says do this, you better do it. When the Bible says don't do this, you better not do it, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever God's word speaks clearly on an issue, we, we are to follow. But whenever there's not very clear scriptural direction, God says, I'll give you wisdom to decide. God could have programmed us like robots to do exactly like he wants us to do and when he wants us to do it and all of that. But, but in the church of the Nazarene, we believe that the Bible teaches something that's called free will. God loves us enough not to force us into his will. God loves us enough to not force us into obedience. We can make choices. God guides us, he advises us in our humanness. We want God to show us exactly what to do, and sometimes he does, but oftentimes he gives us the wisdom if we ask for it, the discernment to make the good choice. And all we can do is be faithful in just the next step, right? Just the next step. So walk with the wise, ask God for wisdom, and make a decision. Now, some of you are in the midst of making a decision. 
in a crowd this size, there's at least one person that's in the midst of making a decision. You're, you're in the midst of discerning, you know, what is God's will for my life right here, right now. Maybe it's in regard to a relationship. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relocation. You know, the list is indefinite. Put in whatever it is. I want to pray for you this morning. Some of you are standing on the edge of the pool. And God's telling you to take the next step. And, and you're just scared to death. I want to pray for you this morning. Three groups of people I want to talk to real quick. The first one, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have not proactively and purposefully invited God into your life, invited Jesus Christ to be the leader of your life and to forgive you of your sins, I can tell you with assurance of what God's next step for you is, and that is that you would open up your heart to Him and receive His gift of salvation and come into right relationship with Him. That is as biblical as it gets. That's your next step. And just before I pray, and I talk to one or two other groups, I can't pass this opportunity up without going, hey, is there anyone that wants to make that decision? Is there anyone right now that just wants to stand up right where you're at? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything awkward. I'm, I just want to know who I'm leading in prayer. I just want to lead you in a, in a prayer to invite God into your life. I'm just going to hold for about 15 seconds. Is there anyone right now that say, Troy, I, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this morning. If someone stands, I want to pray for you. If not, I'm going to move on. We're just going to hold for a few seconds. Anyone at all? Okay, the next group I'm going to talk to. You might be here this morning and you say, I know God's talking to me about this thing, this decision. And I know what God wants me to do. He's made it clear to me. And I've just struggled with taking that step. But I know that's what I need to do. I know I just need to surrender that to God this morning. Is there anyone like that that would just stand up? You say, I know what God wants me to do. And this morning, as a sign of my obedience, I'm going to stand up and go, okay, God, I'm going to take that step. Anyone at all want to stand up in that situation? I know what God wants me to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. I know what God wants me to do. And I'm just going to stand up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I know what God wants me to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Yeah, just stay standing a minute. I'm going to have some others stand with you in just a moment. Anyone else? All right, now I'm going to talk to a third group. Stay standing. Is there anyone here right now that would say, Troy, I'm, I'm in the midst of this situation where I'm, I know I have to make a decision. There's this direction that I need to go, but I sincerely am not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do. I sincerely am not clear on what God's will is, but I'm going to stand up this morning and go, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I know you're calling me to something, to make a decision, to make a move, to take a step, maybe big, maybe small. I sincerely just don't know what direction that's supposed to be, and God, I'm going to stand up and ask you for wisdom this morning. Is there anyone that stand up in that situation right now? Amen. 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 
Amen. I, I just, I want to obey. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to obey. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I just need wisdom, God. I need wisdom. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for every one of these folks who are standing in this moment. Lord, first of all, I pray for the ones who stood up to say, I know what the next step is. God has made it clear to me. I know what I'm supposed to do or not do or to add in or to cut out or whatever. I know what it is. And this morning they've stood up to go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in obedience and I'm going to surrender. Lord, would you give them the strength and the wisdom and the grace to step off the edge of the pool and to be obedient to you. Lord, do that right now in this moment. Whatever it is, big or small, whatever it is, Lord. Father, I pray for the other group of folks who stood up to go, I want to be obedient. I, I'm willing. It's not a spirit issue. I know that I will do whatever God wants me to do, but I just need clarity. I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do, but I need wisdom. And Lord, there were many people who stood up on that one. Lord, your word promises us that if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it. And Lord, I don't know. That wisdom may come through a scripture reading. That's that wisdom may come through a life group or that wisdom may come through a, a friend who is a brother or sister in Christ. That wisdom may come through the moving of your spirit in my life. I don't know what it is, but Father, we are boldly asking for wisdom and clarity in their lives. Would you give it to them? And I want everyone else to stand up. Lord, help us all. Because even though we didn't stand up this morning, we're going to be in the midst of decision-making. It may not be today, but it's going to be tomorrow or the next day because it's just a part of life. And God, would you help us to hear you so clearly? Would you help us in our spirit to be willing to move and to make the choice and to do what you are calling us to do? May we live in obedience to you. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your spirit this morning. You are so good as you speak to us. Lord, we don't take that for granted. Now, Father, we're going to sing a song. And this song's just going to be a continuation of our prayer. It's going to be a continuation of the testimony of our lives that I am all in. I will live in obedience. I will follow the step where you lead me. May this be our story. May this be our testimony this morning in the name of Jesus. And as we sing, folks, if anyone wants to come pray at the altars, we invite you to come pray. We love to pray and counsel with people around the altar. Or if you're just standing back there singing, could you sing this as your testimony? It's a great and powerful testimony. Caleb, lead us if you would.
softly so these who are up the altars praying um, can just keep praying so Kayla if you guys would just keep keep going while they're praying isn't God good amen we love you guys hope you have an awesome week go out and share this with the world share this hope of Jesus with the world amen you are